You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on into a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. All we asked for heading into Fenway Park was a split, and the Yankees delivered the worst split of all time. Uh, now you've got Red Sox fans crowing about how they own us, which again is interesting because they lost twice and gained absolutely no ground after a four-game set at Fenway Park, a house of horrors where every loss you experience looks exactly like the losses we experienced on Saturday and on Sunday. We got both varieties of Yankee losses in Boston after the Bombers had already taken the first two games. Uh, first one was a nail-biter 6-5. to five. Second one was a relative blowout 12-5, but at one point it was 9-4 with the bases loaded in two outs and a full count in the fourth inning. And at one point it was 9-5 with the bases loaded in two outs for Trevor Story as the tying run. So neither one of those was a blowout of any kind. Even the 12-5 game was tight. And then, of course, we get uh, dormant Yankees offensive performance against a bad pitcher, Triple A fill-in Cutter Crawford, followed by a late lead, followed by a blown save, followed by extra innings heroics, followed by a blown save and extra innings. Then we got the ultimate, the classic Fenway game. Uh, Yankees had leads of 4-0 and 6-2 on Sunday. The Red Sox obviously erased those because that they do that four times a year. And we still had to deal with people on Twitter and official MLB accounts being like, oh, my comeback of the year, four-run deficits, gone in a blink. Who thought this could possibly happen? It literally happens every series. It almost happened in the first game of this series. So they avoided disaster in the opener, but then we're just like, you know what? I think we're going to do it by the end of the series anyway because people are expecting disaster. So are we going to whine and cry after a four-game split, which is all we asked for, which, again, they opened the series up 14 in the AL East, ended it up 14 in the AL East. The Jays got swept over the weekend. The Rays got swept over the weekend by an inferior opponent. They're still up by a few games on Houston for the best record in baseball. Are we going to scream and cry about it? No, but are we going to get a little mad at uh, 
you know, who's the first team to solve Clay Holmes this year? Obviously, it's the Red Sox. He's allowed an earned run to them on opening day, and he let Michael King's run score to blow a save in the Saturday game. Uh, who delivered one of the key blows on Saturday? Was it terrible hitter Jeter Downs making getting his first big league hit? It actually was. Uh, who walked off the Yankees? Was it Alex Verdugo, one of the most hated players in baseball, who's got an 87 OPS plus but came through 35 times this weekend? You know it was. <laughs> who who eventually untied Sunday's game? Was it a Roldis Chapman? Yeah. Why was he in a 6-6 game? <coughs> Not up to me. I didn't do it. But this was two of the, uh, you know, nail. All we asked for was two normal games and two crazy games. Instead, we got an absolute nail-biter win, uh, a win that looks less close at the end of the day than it actually was, and two horrific losses, just absolutely horrific. And I found myself thinking on Saturday, man, it's been a really long time since the Yankees have had, like, a truly terrible loss at Fenway Park. And then I went, no, it hasn't. They blew a no-hitter in the eighth inning up 4-0 last year and blew a 3-1 lead with two outs in the ninth in the same series. It just happened so often that I was like, wow, it's really been a long time. And then I was like, well, no, actually, it's been under a calendar year, and two of those were two of the worst ever. And these were two of the worst ever uh, just because uh, of, you know, the timing of everything. Again, they're up 14. Again, it might not matter in the long run, but I think it's okay to stew on it. It's okay to be mad. And... The fact remains, it might not matter in the long run, but it also, it might. Garrett Cole got rocked again at Fenway. We'll talk about him. Jameson Tyone, the end of the rope, maybe. We'll talk about him. Uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, why are we angry? I'm not sure. Aaron Judge's comments on an extension are the brief ray of hope from the Sunday night broadcast. And we'll end this with a moment of Zen, appreciating the New York Yankees All-Stars. And we got some great videos to remember them by, folks. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts live on YouTube and Twitter, 2 o'clock Eastern Time, Mondays and Thursdays. Whether you are a Yankees apologist, a sycophant, someone who's nervous for no reason, up 14 in the division, someone who's nervous for good reason, up 14 in the division, someone who's focused exclusively on October while still being angry about July, we got your back. We'll be having all of these conversations. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's weird. Red Sox fans on on Friday night said that we don't have any pitching. You're facing a minor league team. You know, we didn't expect to win. Uh, why are you guys complaining? Why are you so happy, et cetera? We'll see you in October. And then on Saturday and Sunday, it actually seemed like this series mattered all of a sudden. I thought I, I thought it was see you in October. Now it's now it's July games are important. That's That's interesting. Oh, you've uh, you've been welcome to Boston fandom yet again. Uh, yeah, that's well, it's really been interesting. Been a while. It's been a while. Last time we faced him was April, so we haven't got a taste of this bullshit. Um, and you know what? I'm finally mad this year for the first yep. time. Kept my cool, um, but the Red Sox always get under my skin. They do. They do have a little bit of real estate in my head. Jared Krabis three weeks ago saying that the Yankees were going to break the MLB wins record, and that's his hot take for the year then does a big post-game video about how the Yankees just aren't that good. You look at the offense, it's just not that good. The Red Sox are just as good. You have Pete Abraham saying, hey, you know what? Yankees might be up 14, but the gap between these two teams isn't that wide. Most of these games are decided by one or two runs. Hmm. Fucking losses, Pete. Also doesn't matter. You're 14 games back. When the Yankees do well head-to-head against the Red Sox and they're losing to inferior opponents, then who's the better team? Then it's Boston. Oh, we just take care of business against the Orioles. We're the Boston Red Sox. We're the best, so we're better than you. Um, but I wasn't even frustrated about that. That was the icing on the cake. I was frustrated because you take the first two games, the Red Sox pitching is battered. 
I don't view Nick Pavetta as anybody the Yankees should be afraid of, and they're not. They they, they, on him. Yeah, they yeah. kicked his ass on Sunday. Um, and then these two games came down to the bu- battle of the bullpens on Saturday and Sunday, and the Yankees blow it. Bullpens their number one strength. That's where the frustration lies for me. You have an opportunity to stomp on their throats. You know, did I? Part of me, I did not really think we were going to go eighteen games up, but no. Yesterday, Saturday, fine. You lose. It sucks. It's going to happen. Yesterday, you have the Rays get swept by the Reds. You have the uh, the Mariners sweep the the Jays in four games in Seattle with an epic comeback in the eighth. And then it's just right there for you on a silver platter. You got Jameson Tyone. He hasn't been pitching well, but like maybe it's going to come around. He said seven, six or seven bad start. I think uh, seven of his last eight starts were pretty bad or six of the last seven or something like that. So seven, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Maybe you get a good one in there. Maybe, maybe we, maybe we hold serve and get out of here with the series win. Tyone coughs it up. We'll talk about him in a, in a little bit, but that my issue is just not just finally just stepping on the throat. I think a three game, I think taking the series three, one really demoralizes them. Um, and now we've galvanized the city somehow 14 games back in the division um, to try to get in our heads about this. Yankees are clearly the better team. Um, once again, going to Fenway is a different story. We see it every year. It doesn't matter the, the the level of playing the, the the playing field that either of these teams are on does not the Yankees, matter. The Yankees could be terrible. The Red Sox could be great. The Red Sox uh, the the Yankees could be great. The Red Sox could be terrible. It, it it's admittedly a dogfight every time. Outliers happen. We whooped their ass in I think 2019 and 2020, but Red Sox got the best of us in the playoffs in 2018 and last year. So it's it's a never ending. It's a never-ending pendulum here, uh, swinging in either direction. Red Sox still have the upper hand because they have the most recent championship. They have the most recent playoff triumph twice. Um, so when the Yankees fight – yeah, three. So, And my biggest issue was, honestly, we didn't set the tone hard enough on Thursday. Garrett Cole gets in there. Garrett Cole gets spotted a five-run lead. Garrett Cole is still working to get the stink of the AL wildcard game off of him. We talked about this on Thursday's podcast heading in. We said, you know what? Quality start for Cole, get the win, go into Friday, playing with house money still. We asked for a split. I'll I'll be the first to admit it. I asked for a split. I sat here and I said, have the Red Sox waste four days of their life, gain no ground, get me back home, play it, play them one more time at the stadium before the all-star break, take some days off, everything's good. Yeah. This is the most infuriating split, as you alluded to at the top of this episode. And this is the exact split I did not want, but I didn't even want to bring any attention to it in the event that this would happen. And of course it happened. So now I'm allowed to be mad because two, even the two losses were catered for us to fully win. Bullpen games, better offense, better clutch hitting, whether you think that that's real or not. Yankees have been better in all those categories, statistics, areas of whatever you want to call it this year. And they dropped the bag spectacularly. Um, and now Red Sox are the Red Sox are look, they come back to Yankee stadium for a three game set. We can reset the tone there heading into the all-star break, which would be nice. Um, but yeah, let me, I'll just sound off on Cole quickly here. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to talk about setting the tone wrong up five, nothing, then up six to two, 
then up six to five, make it a lot closer than it needs to be. Um, Garrett Cole needs to not do this. He was, and, and this, the, the problem that I have here is that he still has not figured out the post game, whatever. Don't act baffled and befuddled in every post game. Don't take 14 minutes to answer every question because you cannot come up with a response. Jamison Tyone dealt with his lackluster performance last night like a professional. Sat there, said it was unacceptable. Sat there, said he was spotted five runs or six runs or whatever it was. Um, and he should have went to the sixth or seventh inning. And I commend him for that. Not gonna doesn't absolve him from performing poorly over the last month, but he gets it. Garrett Cole saying, Well, is Rafael Devers gonna get out once? I don't know, man. Are you gonna stop throwing him strikes over the plate? Are you going to throw him the fastball, which is your best pitch, instead of trying to dance around him with cutters and change-ups? And then the bigger problem I have is David Cohn backing him the entire time on the broadcast. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. David Cohn, nice guy, great analyst, awesome pitcher, love listening to him, but telling me on the broadcast and telling even pedestrian fans who don't watch the Yankees as religiously that Garrett Cole is worth every penny of his contract because he's durable, because you know, he's going to be out there every fifth day. And you know, there's not going to be any issues with innings limitations at the end of the year or pitch counts on uh, 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 every fifth day. You absolutely have to be kidding me. The Yankees did not sign Garrett Cole to be durable. They signed him to punk their rivals and get them over the hump in the postseason, which are two things that he has failed to do. There is still a long life of this contract left, and Garrett Cole has plenty of time to rewrite the narrative, and I will be defending Garrett Cole to do that until this contract is over. But don't tell me that I am not getting something that that maybe has been lost in translation or maybe is not being understood by the by the, you know the grander um, the grander uh, fan base here. Garrett Cole has not been worth his contract. Um, once again, we don't care about money, but when you are the highest paid in your position or in the entire sport, expectations come with that. You want to look at the stats here. Garrett Cole versus the Red Sox, 6-3, 4.30 ERA, 1.22 whip and 12 starts. That's not good enough. Garrett Cole versus the Rays, 2-6, 3.66 ERA, 1.08 whip, ton of strikeouts, 132 in 14 starts, but not good enough. Garrett Cole... His best opponent is the is the Orioles, who have been the worst team in baseball for the last four years up until this season. So we're not even gonna we don't need to talk about his good stats there. Against the Blue Jays, he's a good five and one, but a 3.47 ERA, 1.01 whip, 65 strikeouts and 10 starts. The strikeouts are there in most of them, except for the Red Sox teams. He only has 80 and 69 innings, which is not really Garrett Cole-esque. Um, <clears throat> but these are not ace numbers against the opponents that you need to beat. And you want to bring up, he's bad against the Mets. He's really bad. He has a six, seven, five ERA and like a one, seven whip against the Mets. The Mets aren't a rival, but we have to face the Mets every year. And we have to listen to them when they beat us. So to tell me that Garrett Cole is worth every penny of his contract to tell me that he is one of, you know, he is, if you look at the grander picture, Garrett Cole's an all-star this year. And he probably deserves it for the most part. But you look at who he's played this year, and he's mostly struggled against the better opponents. Um, And the fact that he has not been able to figure out the Yankees' chief opponent and the the best player on that team in Rafael Devers is an indictment on his performance, quite frankly. And I'm not going to sit here and complain about it every week. But I'm also not going to be told that this this was the answer for the Yankees' pitching staff. Garrett Cole has the fourth or fifth best numbers on the pitching staff. He actually had the fifth 
he, he actually was mostly fourth and fifth until Jamison Tyone had a really bad outing last night and gave up six runs and five in, or five innings of work. So that kind of flipped the script for him and bumped him up in the pecking order. But every other starter has been better than largely better than Garrett Cole. Um, and Garrett Cole twice in that start to make it a lot more difficult than it was, gave up a single to Kevin Ploiecki on a one-two count and then walked Kevin Ploiecki on a one-two count. That's the number nine hitter. That is not what aces do. And there is no excuse for it. This is the this is somebody in their prime. This is somebody who's viewed as one of the best pitchers in the game. He has the 30th, 29 other pitchers best him in ERA, 15 other pitchers best him in whip. He's given up the eighth most home runs in the league among qualified starters. So I don't know where this uh, this narrative is coming from where Garrett Cole is worth every penny, penny and he's going to be you know, he's going to be the reason the Yankees get over the hump. He's yet to prove that he has good numbers as a starter, but not ace ace numbers as a starter since joining the Yankees. 3.16 ERA, 3.31 FIP, 1.03 whip in 59 starts. Again, the strikeouts are there, 461 and 353 and two thirds innings. But it's it's all very it's all very far away from coming to fruition. And I don't want to sit there and, and kind of devalue what he's done, but you've seen, he's had two of the worst starts of his career this season against the Tigers. And then against the twins, two lineups that Tigers are bad twins. Yeah. Twins can give you a little trouble, but the worst start of your career against the Minnesota twins this year. So this is the problem with the Yankees that I have been complaining about for the last now three years. It's, to have that ability to just shut it down, step on somebody's throat, end the conversation, gain back the mental edge. They did a good job of gaining the mental edge this year by leading the way in MLB in a number of categories, best record, depth all over the place, a roster that doesn't really take shit, which I love about this team. But then you have a series like this, and it reminds you of 2021 and 2020, and this is where it needs to stop because they cannot go down the stretch with this mindset. They cannot head into the playoffs Garrett Cole needs to be nails and there's really, there's no other discussion to be had because we're seeing a, we're seeing a regression across the starting rotation. Nestor Cortez still good, but ERA up a point since he was at his peak. Jamison Tyone falling off a cliff ERA well into the 4.30 ERA now, not good. That's like, that's like number five starter maybe. And we thought we were going to get Coe's production out of him based on the first 10 starts of the season. So I don't know if that's regressing to the mean or this is just who he is and he's either really good or really bad. The the, the body of work on Tyone for his entire career is out there and it's largely inconsistent. One really good season, other okays, others interrupted by injury, solid half rookie campaign. So we don't know exactly what the deal is. We're worried about um, Luis Severino and how much longer he can last down the stretch. And Jordan Montgomery is good, but Jordan Montgomery, you know, is it's tough. Is he a playoff starter? Can you rely on him to go deep into a playoff game? Are you going to get the five innings, three or four earned runs? That's not really going to put you in the position to win. So that's why Garrett Cole needs to be Garrett Cole, the Garrett Cole that everybody else or thinks he should be, or apparently who David Cohn thinks he is, because that's not it. Garrett Cole cannot be going into Fenway over and over again, getting punked, having people say Rafael Devers is his daddy. It is funny. It's kind of funny, but you know, it's frustrating when you leave Fenway Park with a win, with a 6-5 victory, and social media is all memes about Garrett Cole getting owned by Rafael Devers. So this needs to stop. Garrett Cole needs to figure it out because a 3.26 ERA as 
the staff ace on this team is not good enough. And it lends more, it, it lends more um, leeway for rivals to have this type of criticism, to have the mental edge over him when they face him. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating for me. It should be frustrating for a lot more people. And I get defending your guys. You want to sit here. You want to not have to do this. But we also can't be blindly defending people because we we like them and we want them to be better. It's This is the reality. It's been almost 60 starts into Garrett Cole's career as a Yankee. And there's been a lot more flops than there have been gems. And I don't know if you feel the same, but it's a really big, it's a really big problem for me right now. I can't believe the Yankees won a game like that on Thursday. I can't remember no. the last time in my life I've seen them win a game like that at Fenway, which which led you to believe that this might be a different series, considering all, like you said, all of the chatter was on the Red Sox side, all the memeing was on the Red Sox side, and get who won the game. And who won the game because the first baseman dropped a pop-up. Yeah. Right. So that did sort of feel like it portended good things where it's like, I don't know if the Yankees are going to play worse than that. Obviously, Garrett Cole gives a whole lead back basically twice against Rafael Devers, and the bullpen is nails and holds on. And you go, exhale. That felt like a loss. I can't believe they won that game. The next night, you know, it's 9 2. Christian Arroyo's in right field waving for God. Trevor Story is telling him to go back on the ball. He's not looking. It's a comedy of errors. You go, I can't believe the Red Sox are this bad. And yet somehow, it's 9-2 in the fourth, cut two bases loaded, two outs, 9-4 full count on Christian Vasquez. We're a walk and a grand slam away from the game being tied. In the same inning, it was 9-2. They get out of it at 9-4. Eventually, it's 9-5. Story comes up with the bases loaded and pops out. Lucas Lipke gets a three and a third inning save. Everybody laughs. Matt Carpenter rakes. You know, well, we walk away joyously with a 12-5 victory. It was four hours long, and it didn't feel like a 12-5 victory at any point of that game. No. Take a seven-run lead in the fourth, and you go, I wonder if this superstar historic pitching staff can hold on against the Red Sox. 9-2 in the fourth. The Red Sox looking for their fourth straight loss, and that's still what you're thinking because of Garrett Cole the night before and because of 2021 at Fenway and because of every important Fenway game we've had in decades, save for a few exceptions. The 2009 Yankees went winless in the first half at Fenway Park. They went on a rampage in the second half and they won the World Series and the Red Sox got knocked out in the ALDS. Part of this story of that season is that the Red Sox got knocked out before they and the Yankees could clash in the ALCS, quite frankly. That happens. I have no idea what goes on. It's completely unpredictable. The Yankees got the Angels and the Angels beat themselves at home. 2006, the Yankees had a Boston massacre at Fenway. That's a season that nobody remembers. It's revenge for 2004 that did not carry over. You got Al Leiter winning a game on Sunday Night Baseball that summer. Congrats on knocking Willie Mo Pena out of the playoff race. But that is not an enduring memory for me of Yankees Red Sox. What I think of are the games like Sunday and like Saturday and like Friday and like Thursday. None of them were pleasant. I think of the games like last summer. I think of the games from 2018 when we went to Boston and got four games swept that July, August. And that ruined our season that year when when we were, you know, nipping at Boston's heels. And I kept saying, there's this four game series coming up, though. You know, we'll see where we are after that. Way further back, outclassed by the Red Sox. That's where we were. 2019, we finished, I believe, 14-5 and against the Red Sox, but that didn't stop them from taking the first three of a four-game set at Fenway. We barely lost to the Sox that year, and three of them were in a row. They opened that a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just like this one. They opened that series by bludgeoning Masahiro Tanaka. I'll need to find the details. I think it was like 10 nothing by the end of the second like and he just had to hold on for dear life so i'm much more used to these leads going away and 
you know, so you signed Garrett Cole to this record setting deal, right? I- I'm also fully aware that one playoff run reverses this entire thing. Correct. Right. One playoff run where he takes down the, the Sox, Astros and World Series opponent in a row. And we go, great. Like we could easily be speaking at this point in Garrett Cole's Yankee career. And then he goes here and then he goes here and then he vacillates. And we're just like, that's fine because the right. peak is yet to come. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We don't know. Um, and I'm fully aware of that, and I'm not hiding that from anybody. But right now, you sign Garrett Cole, the worst-case scenario is he just breaks down, right? He He gets injured the first year, shoulder, elbow. He's never the same. He's stuck with you for nine years. Yes, that is the worst case scenario. But what's the second worst case scenario? That he's a borderline ace, that he's pretty special on many nights, but can't pitch at Fenway Park, but can't pitch against the Rays. There's just a defect where you just don't, you just don't see it. You go, you know, people say to you, look at the numbers. And you say, I know, but he can't do x really important thing that he just has repeatedly proven he can't do and there's still time to correct this but he goes to fenway park and yankee fans are tweeting just don't give up homers to devers that's all we ask he gives up two homers to devers he knows it he knows this is his problem he's well aware of it and and what does he do gets a six two lead uh, five nothing lead turns it to five two six two lead turns it to six five there's no easy game in this rivalry but the equalizer is supposed to be garrett cole He's supposed to be the one who's able to go like, you know what? I'm going to deliver you an easy game. I know you guys need it. Just one. Let's do, let's take this one seven one, and then we'll go back to battle tomorrow because obviously the Red Sox offense is good. We, we'll clown on the Red Sox for celebrating being 14 games back. They can obviously hit. They're getting reinforcements in the rotation. You'd rather keep them 14. You'd rather they be 14 games back than seven games back right now. They're getting better. You're going to have to fend them off. 14 is nice. That's why you're not going to hear us. You know, we're not having a full on meltdown. 14 is 14 is nice. But you rely on someone like Garrett Cole to deliver you an easy win, and they just couldn't even come close. The first score of that Fenway game, by the way, was 19-3. to The Tanaka game? Yeah, Tanaka, Rick Porcello. The next night, Andrew Kashner beat James Paxton 10-5. This is, the, this is the shit we have to deal with. And that's a season where the Yankees, again, went 14-5 and against the Red Sox. They almost blew, what, an 11-run lead in London? What was that? 17-13? That uh, and it became, you know, th- that's why we're tormented here. We have been for quite a while. Uh, it was 17. 
it ended 17-13. The Red Sox scored seven unanswered runs and I believe had the bases loaded in the seventh. So it was 17-6 to 17-13, but it almost got even closer than that. Uh, it, disgusting. Just absolutely disgusting. So these leads are never stable. You're relying on someone like Garrett Cole to make that, you know, make that lead hold up, and he didn't at all. I have no idea how they held on and won, won that game. Um, this this could have been this was inches away from being a sweep. Also could have been three out of four in the Red Sox column. Yeah. Red Sox could have swept with a couple of breaks on Friday. I mean, you will take the split. And we will forget about this. But what we won't forget about is the next time Garrett Cole takes them out of Fenway Park, we're going to have the exact same questions because he answered none of them in this series. Um, I, I can't believe that the four-gamer is already over. They keep putting – they put these in our schedule like a bomb every summer. You forget about them, they arrive, and you go, oh, right, my life is about to be fucking horrible. And then it is for the whole weekend. Whether you win or lose, it's terrible. The games are four-plus hours, four hours and 20 minutes. Seven-run lead becomes a two-run lead. Eight-run lead becomes a one-run lead. Uh, you know, 3-1, You know, every single game follows the same pattern. If you're lucky, you split them. It always winds out even. That's just what this series has left me thinking. Every single year, um, I, I did the research. I checked in on it this morning. About half the season series since 2004 end with, a 10-9 advantage, a 9-9 tie between the two sides, an 11-8 advantage one side. That's like the highest it goes usually. Almost half the like half the seasons end up right in that range, a little over half. Um, but what's the difference? The, these two teams facing each other should basically be a coin flip every game, but the Red Sox have the 4 ALCS, they have the 2018 ALDS, and they have the wild card. So we've got three playoff series or one-game series wins in a row for the Red Sox. So it's a coin flip. But 100% of the time since 2004, it's gone in the other direction. So until that stink is off, you'll start envisioning playoff disasters because of a series like this, because of Jameson Tyone regressing, because of Garrett Cole looking like the worst-case scenario version of Garrett Cole, because of Red Sox fans having the trump card in the scenario, even though we split, because Alex Verdugo with his 87 OPS plus is slicing 0-2 pitches through the hole against Clay Holmes to tie a game, because uh, Josh Donaldson, God bless him, not actually, has the game-ending double play ball pop between his glove and his hand, and he's able to miraculously get the out of first, but you won't believe what happens next. It's the Red Sox walking off regardless. I found Saturday more insipid than Sunday. I know, obviously, Tyone blowing that huge lead. You lose what little faith you had left in him. But just play out that series where Donaldson, at the brink of disaster, is able to turn that double play ball. They take the first three of the series. They come out of nowhere to take that third game, and then they just have kind of a wimpy fourth game, you wouldn't be caring so much. You would just say, yeah, no. well, Tyone's bad. It would be, yeah. it would be, you know, falling off your roof, like shellac shingles, like the Dodgers losing to the Padres a couple weeks ago. It was like, yeah. okay, yeah, that's kind of an ugly finale, but they won the first three. We would have complained about Tyone for a couple of minutes and talked about the deadline, but we would have been okay. That Saturday game is the one that threw the whole thing off its axis. Never expected a win, right? Suddenly they pull a 2022 Yankees go from down one nothing to up three one like that and you're like oh my god this team's incredible Rob yeah. Ref Snyder leads off the bottom of the next thing with a home run and you're like oh right Rob, uh, Rob Ref Snyder we're we're 30 minutes into this podcast I think he went seven for 12 this series are you fucking kidding me it's a fucking joke and, and you've got Red Sox fans complaining all the time about the Yankees pulling diamonds out of the rough out of nowhere I mean your season was saved by Rob Ref Snyder and Cutter Crawford you have. No leg to stand on here. None at all. Um, and this series, you know, tilts tilts right there. 
Uh, Clay Holmes comes in for the four-out save. Not sure why is what it is. Comes in to get Bogarts. Can't, you know, locate to Bogarts. 0-2, he's pitching to Verdugo against the shift for some reason. He's going outside, outside, outside. And the fielders are on the other side of the field. Verdugo posted through the hole. He's been clutch. He's been clutch against us. He's one of the most detestable guys in baseball. He's like if a Roldis Chapman was beloved, and yet there he is <laughs> on, on Saturday and Sunday. I can't believe how mad I am about this series. I, I really can't. Because, of course, you know they, they did all they had to do. They just did it all wrong, yeah. and they got the results. It was a reverse Houston. They led for basically the whole series, led or tied, and they let the Red Sox steal it. And they let the Red Sox spin their narratives about how who could have expected this. Man, they don't pay you guys enough to write about this team. I tell you, when when we zig, they zag. I never saw this. Xander Bogart said, I never saw this coming. How did Xander Bogart not see this coming? What have you spent it, the last seven summers of your life doing? Do you pay attention to your own games? There really is dirty water in this city. Like, it's all just yeah. poisons their fucking brains. Um, well, let's talk about our own problems because we have sure. our own problems – Red Sox are one, but, you know, Tyone, Jameson Tyone, good guy, uh, issue right now. Uh, ever since June 7th, and this culminated with last night's uh, last night's outing, 6.81 ERA, 1.62 whip, and seven starts. It's not good. Not it's a complete reversal from the first 10 outings he had for the year, which were great, which we thought were what the Yankees truly paid for in that trade with the Pirates because last year – Coming back from Tommy John, pitched a handful of innings over the uh, over the two years prior. So you're like, all right, it's got to get his bearings back. Got to build up the arm strength. Got to get used to uh, facing much better opponents as well um, in the ALE. So gets off to a hot start this year. A third of his year. Third of his year to start off very good. Now we're approaching maybe the first half of the year is about is is going to normalize and end up looking mediocre at best. Um, so now you have to wonder how aggressive are the Yankees going to be at the trade deadline for starting pitching. We've sat here and we wondered starting rotation seems to be figured out, right? Well, kind of it's figured out maybe for the regular season, but who do you trust in October? We've, we've seen fans not feel too great about Jordan Montgomery starting in October. Jameson Tyone right now is not an option. Um, bullpen option at best. And the problem with Tyone is that location is king for him. You know, 94 mile an hour fastball, nothing special. Not It's not like he's a lefty who, you know, can uh, have extra movement on his pitches and, and fool hitters with, uh, you know, with, with that type of movement or with messing up their sight lines. Um, Tyone stuff when he's not locating his fastball is pedestrian. It's, it's mediocre. Um, and when his slider's not moving, um, it, it's really bad. You saw what happened last night. He left the slider right over the heart of the plate. Christian Vasquez pissed on it. Um, he, for some reason, threw a 91-mile-an-hour fastball to J.D. Martinez on the first pitch that at bat. That's one of the worst pitches I've ever seen in my life. It's like you, you're all, checking the app. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, is he? I'm wondering, is he maybe injured? You're losing three miles an hour off your fastball in the fifth inning? Aaron Boone is sitting there like what, what, or the sixth inning, I'm sorry, like why, or the fifth inning it was, why is he, yeah, why is he letting him face JD Martinez after what you just saw transpire? Um, That pitch to Franchi Cordero, Uh, you have him in an 0-1 count and you're just dropping in an 88. What even, was that a changeup? I mean, I know it was out of the strike zone, but it was like, it was low and was right on his swing plane. So 
once again, when he's not locating, it's batting practice. And you've seen that over the last month with that exception of, uh, with the exception, uh, the start in Toronto where he went five and two thirds, no earned. Um, and we pretty much broke, broke the blue Jay spirits. Cause after that series, they've been pretty damn bad. Um, but now you got to wonder, I don't know who I'm going to look for at the trade deadline starting pitching wise. I thought we were largely okay. You pitched a uh, Carlos Rodon trade package, which maybe we should allude to a little bit for a second. Um, Everybody else out there seems to be expensive, though, Um, or just a guy you're going to pick up to eat innings until you can buy yourself the time in October to get your ducks in a row. Um, I don't know what the Yankees do because there are needs in the bullpen. Miguel Castro, we thought was going to be better. Not really bad. Been getting worse. Four ERA, 1.4 something whip. Can't use I know him. ERA generally doesn't matter for relievers, but whip does. Whip is probably the tell-all stat for relievers. People um, keep wondering, ever. like, people keep wondering, like, oh, there's so many arms to acquire and there are so many people to welcome back. Like, at some point, the Yankees are going to have to make some tough decisions with DFAs. Not that tough. DFA Miguel Castro. The Red Sox just did it with Hansel Robles. He's not good. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know what they're going to do here. I don't know if Tyone's regression here is going to – shift the philosophy or if the Yankees are just going to kind of eat it and be like, well, you know, it's up and down first half. He was really good. Then he was really bad. We can probably expect solid production in the second half. Do you take that risk? I don't know if I take that risk. I'm not fucking around this season. If I'm the Yankees front office, you still have the, you still have the uncertainty around judge. You got a lot of other guys hitting free agency after this year. And then after 2023, where the complexion of this roster could be completely different outside of the few guys who have signed long-term, um, up at the top. So I don't know. Tyone is a problem at this point. Nestor, I still love watching him pitch, but you're not as confident when he's taking the mound at this point as, as you once were, um, even dating back to last year. I think we were more confident seeing him last year than we have been the last like few weeks. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what the and, and Luis Severino, again, it's going to be a concern in the back of my mind until it either doesn't it's either not an issue or until it blows up um, because he's been great. I've been loving watching him, but how much more is there? Is his body going to break down? I, I really, it's, it's, you just never know. Um, so yeah, I guess we can appreciate Garrett Cole there because he's very durable and you don't have to worry about that, but you know, we're not getting the mix of durability and, and elite level performance that we've been used to. And I don't know we need an outfielder. Maybe need, I mean, Matt Carpenter is probably silencing that discussion. Maybe it can yeah. save us a little time. I don't know. I, I really don't know. Maybe, maybe it's all working out. Maybe Matt Carpenter is the the left fielder that we can absorb playing two, three times a week. And we could spend a little bit extra on a starter or maybe two relievers. Maybe that's the answer. But when we were talking about for the first two and a half months of the season, that the rotation was not a problem and we're going to be able to not have to dump assets at the deadline for another top line starter. Now, I don't know. Now with the deadline three weeks away, things kind of change. I don't know how you're feeling, but it's confusing for me right now. No, it's probably their number one issue right now. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. I know, but what are you going to spend all you're talking about all these guys under club control or they have maybe cost effective salaries or they're going to be a rental like rent, like Rodon who would be a great addition, but you know, it's, it's a guy who is pushing your rotation to be world series esque and the giants are not going to take a penny less than what they think they deserve. And you know that there's going to be a market for him elsewhere. Um, so, 
And then the, you bring in the Yankees tax, which I know opposing fans are like, oh, you're just narcissist. You think everyone's fucking out to get you. There is a Yankees tax. Pe- teams don't want to make the Yankees better, and the Yankees have a deep farm system, and they know that they can take advantage of that. Um, so it's it, there's, there's realistic viewpoints here from every corner, um, and it's complicated matters now. And the Rangers are fucking interested in Joey Gallo. What is happening? Dude, there's also in the Yankees have a million guys who are rule five eligible next year. And yeah. everybody knows that. So yeah. the Yankees tax is going to be worse than ever because people are going to say, I, 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 you know, I, I'm intrigued by four of your guys who you have to get rid of. But would you add a fifth? Oh, you won't. Oh, mm, never mind. And not less interesting to me. <clears throat> I also hate this is just, you know, worry wart stuff. But I hate being in the position where you need to get pitching at the deadline yeah. because <clears throat> First of all, everybody needs pitching, so you're in the worst market possible. Second of all, there is no market more volatile than pitching. A pitcher can snap in one second, right? Mm-hmm. You could you could trade four assets for a pitcher, and two starts in elbow goes right, yep. and then it's just you can't undo that, right? You, you know you can you can do all the research you want, but you pick the you accidentally pick the ticking time bomb. And all your research was for naught. Pitching sucks. And with a shortened spring training this year, it's worse than ever. People were like, everyone's going to get hurt. And then other people were like, no, well, let's just see. And then everybody got hurt. It's like, oh, look, everybody got hurt. The Yankee staff has been the most durable in baseball, which is crazy. Uh, They haven't missed a turn in the rotation for anything other than a choice so far this year. Uh, Severino had non-COVID COVID and got his start bumped like two days. And then otherwise it was just them putting Sears or Clark Schmidt in there to lengthen out the rotation, but no starters hit the non COVID IL yet. Knock on. I mean, obviously they will. I'm knocking on wood, but it's not going to prevent that from happening. That does not happen to anybody during a full season. Quite frankly, Jamison Tyone is, is starting in the next series against the Red Sox at Yankee stadium next weekend. He should be on the IL for that. We don't need to see that. That should be JP Sears. Uh, I can't believe Severino is not going to be in any of these he was in the first series against the Red Sox. He hasn't been in the next two. He's not going to be in this one either. He's facing the Reds. It's going to be Cole on Sunday and and Jordan Montgomery and Tyone. TBD. Montgomery is someone who I've been very critical of in the past. The Red Sox lineup kills lefties, and he was our best starter this weekend. Yeah. He went into the sixth inning and gave up almost nothing. So congrats exactly to what you needed. Congrats to Jordan Montgomery. That, you know, did it change my perspective? No, I know what he is. When he's off, he's way off. And when he's on, he's solid. Uh, so is that somebody who should be starting, you know, shouldn't be starting a playoff game before game four of a series. And you should probably be up three Oh, if you're going to do that, but, <laughs> um, you know, he's, he's just not somebody who I don't really need to see Jordan Montgomery go four and a third, three and runs in a playoff game. Like, no. I know, I know what I'm getting. It's, it's okay. It's fine. It's not a disaster. You can win that game, but you know, not someone I'd rely on come October and, here we go. They need a pitcher at the deadline, but like you said, it's Rodon, and the Giants still think they're good. They don't want to cut bait on him a half year into his Giants career. He's going to opt out probably. They might want to re-sign him. They obviously liked him last year. He's extremely good. He's probably going to make the All-Star team as a replacement. Luis Castillo's on the All-Star team. He's pitching against the Yankees this week. Everybody wants him. Toronto wants him. Uh, everybody, everybody knows it. The Reds have asked for the moon in the past. They're going to do it again. Frankie Montas is available. He's been injured. You know, he's battling shoulder stuff. We'll see. It's going to cost a ton of money. Everybody thought the Cardinals were going to get him. Now nobody thinks that. I don't know where he's going, but expensive as hell. Paul Blackburn, the other A's representative from the All-Star game, I'm kind of interested there. 
But like, if yeah. you're acquiring again, I'm kind of interested there. Smash cut to the Yankees acquiring Paul Blackburn and every other AL contender going, Paul Blackburn, that's your solution. Who the hell is that? <laughs> so, like, in terms of actual game changing talents, there are very few. Nestor's been fantastic. He's never gone over 100 innings in his career. And, and you're seeing like lefty, like Nestor Cortez at Fenway Park, control and command a little bit off. He's going to get knocked around. Couldn't hold a 9 2 lead. Love the guy. Did Bend not break for three innings and gave up two solo shots to Trevor Story and Bobby Dahlbeck? Not yeah. somebody who I'm sending to Fenway with a ton of confidence in right now. Not even his fault. Just, just someone I would much rather see go three innings at Fenway than seven. He's been he's been struggling. He needs the all-star break off. He's going to get it. He's going to soak in the sun in Hollywood. He's probably not going to pitch in the game. Clear need at pitcher. Less of a need in the outfield than they used to have. Matt Carpenter, if he's going to continue to do this, which no guarantees, but... You know, I'd rather have all-star Ian Happ, I guess, than jo- like in the Joey Gallo spot and you keep rotating Carpenter, et cetera. Yeah. But give a ball that for Andrew Benintendi. The Royals are, are another team that is looking at the Yankees going, outbid outbid these guys. Yeah. What are you going to do? We know you got guys w- with 40-man decisions. You're going to give us Everson Pereira for free. And the Yankees are going, you've been intending for two more months. He's got three home runs this year. We're not giving you five top prospects. And the Royals are just going, Yankee stacks. We're going to Yankees tax you. So, I mean, stay tuned, yeah. But if the prices on the outfielders are crazy and the prices on the pitchers are crazy, they need pitching more. But the the game-changing talent, there's few and far between. I don't want Blake Snell. You want to talk about a Garrett Cole poison pill. They get Blake Snell. Bleacher Report tweets a graphic like, the Yankees are a problem. And then Blake Snell goes to Fenway and goes two and a third inning, six earned runs. And I go, oh, right. Oh, I've seen this story a million times. He's useless. So we'll see what happens. Joey Gallo for Blake Snell. Um, now, you want the pulpit for a little bit to talk about Isaiah Kiner falefa who, you know, Error. more often than not hits the ball into the ground. Yeah. Solid defensive player with outs above average mark that doesn't exactly match up with the spectacular plays he's made lately. He's a stopgap acting like a stopgap, but that has got Yankees Twitter in shambles. So I'll give the floor to you to talk about why Isaiah Kiner falefa is not our number one concern right now. Yeah, it's just weird because it's Yankees disease too. And I'll I'll give the credit to the rival fans where every time we acquire somebody, it's oh, this guy's great. Let's you know, let's put on his greatest hits right now and we'll kiss his ass for you know until we see something go wrong, and then it's he's the worst ever. Isaiah Connor Falefa is exactly the person that we acquired in the trade with the twins. There is no disputing it. He is a mid-80s OPS plus hitter. He is a contact guy. He's right around 270, which is essentially his career average. That's that's what the Yankees lineup kind of needed anyway. They needed a guy who could put more bat on ball, regardless of the result. You put the ball in play. You test the defense. It changes the complexion of the game. But you know, you may he makes he may he'll make an error here and there. He's right on line with the amount of errors he's made in that one full season at shortstop with the Texas Rangers. Um, he made 19 that year in 156 games, I believe. He's at 10 this year in 80 something, uh, halfway through, or whatever, 78 or something. So he's halfway through. He's made essentially the same amount of errors that he's made. And look, I don't know how everybody views the defensive metrics. He's got six defensive run saves at shortstop this year, or what is it, six? Hang on. It's five. Five defensive run saves at shortstop, and he's a full one D war. So. I don't know what we're complaining about here. 
it's exactly the defense that we signed on for. It's exactly the offense we signed on for. And if you want to blame anybody, you'll blame the Yankees front office for not bringing in a high, uh, you know, a, a high profile shortstop and arguably the greatest class ever. But the only one that's really panning out so far is Carlos Correa, who was a 50 50 shot anyway, because he's hated and because we knew he was going to cost a ton of money. And because we knew that, um, we were bidding against I to do this high AAV I high AAV deal, which the Yankees weren't really willing to do and competing with smaller markets. Cause now Scott Boris has reset the market there. Um, and you also didn't want to sign him to a long-term deal because then you're blocking Peraza and Volpe who the organization likes. So I just don't understand why we're complaining about IKF. I understand that throwing error came at a terrible time and shouldn't have happened. And some of his other errors have been a little bit suspect, but you look at his career numbers at shortstop. This guy came up as a catcher, folks. Came up as a catcher, has played second base also for not nearly as long, only 20 games, but also played a ton of third base. So shortstop technically is his primary position, but he only has one full season there, and it was last year with the Rangers. Um, and it was a it was a pretty good season, but he's only 1% off his fielding percentage from last year. He's on track for the same amount of errors. He's it, it is what it is. It's exact. He's on track for the same amount of defensive runs saved five throughout five throughout the first half. He had 10 last year. So uh, you got to figure out better things to complain about. You, we acquired a stopgap level shortstop with some qualities that the lineup was missing. He caught, he has a lot of range. It's better than Glaber Torres at shortstop. So I don't know what, I don't know. Do you expect Sterling defense from everybody? People complaining about Donaldson, about that bobble. The guy made four fucking great defensive plays earlier in the game. That bare hand on the Alex Verdugo yeah. popper, and then the diving catch on, uh, uh, was it Duran? Duran with, with two yeah. outs in the ninth. Yeah. Great fucking play. So we're, com- we're, we're complaining about the wrong things here. Um, IKF, I, does he get my 1,000% vote of confidence? Am I, am I defending IKF running into war during the Battle of the Bastards? No. But this is a guy that we this is a guy that we acquired and knew exactly what we were getting out of him. You go, you want to talk about understanding who you get. You couldn't get more on brand or on par by going to his fan grass page or his baseball reference page. It is all right there for you. And after the first half of the season, it is right there for you. So you're complaining about this guy going to the all-star break. It beats me, man. The Yankees had a million opportunities on offense to slam two of those games shut. On Saturday and Sunday, they decided not to. I understand it's difficult to come through in situation after situation on the road against your rival, but we're not pinning one, you know, one or two defensive gaffes here um, on a guy who is totally fine at what he does with this team and was brought in to be totally fine until the next era of shortstops was ready. And Anthony Volpe's on fire and Oswald yeah. Peraz is on fire. And I would I like to see Oswald Peraz a little bit in the second half? Yeah, you bought yourself that luxury by being 61 and 25 right now. 100%. And let's say he clicks. Then Isaiah Kainafarlefa goes back and he's sort of a, you know, utility guy, bench roll, et cetera, asset, pinch runner, upgraded Tim LaCastro. I I don't really care. You're right. He's he's exactly what his baseball reference page says he is. He's exactly what his fan graphs page says he is. His error yesterday wasn't any more egregious than what DJ LeMay, did twice 
calling off outfielders and twisting around in a circle. If people still do those memes where like a guy crunching floats through space, like maybe that's, you might want to take the DJ LeMahieu footage and send him through space. Um, you know, all the faults are magnified when you go from 2-0 up in a four-game series to 2-2 at Fenway Park and leave with a thud. Isaiah Connor falefa is not an area I'm looking to upgrade at the deadline other than internally. I don't even who, – who would you even be focused on? Try to make Brandon Drury a shortstop? Like, I'd love to know. I saw the Yankees connected to Kevin Newman today. Kevin Newman is terrible. So, terrible. no. Terrible. Do- doesn't start for the Pirates. It, it is in no man's land. So, I have less than no interest in that. If that's the upgrade – Give me Isaiah Connor falefa Would Carlos Correa be preferable? Yes, 100%. Obviously, I would rather have Carlos Correa yeah. on the team. Also, uh, I hate to get in the time machine back like four months ago. Do you remember how Carlos Correa was on the cheating Houston Astros and everybody hated him? Do you remember that? Yeah. Or are, are we, we started the season terribly and everyone was like, thank God we didn't sign him? Yeah, Trevor Story, too. I mean, just, do we just remember the the ways the baseball swings back and forth? Also, do we remember the Yankees are 61 and 25 with Isaiah Connor Falefa? Do we remember that? Yeah. That it's like that it's like working, even working. though it's like not, it's not like a superstar. I also hand up, and, and I'm just confessing this for confession's sake, but I went back to be like, does nobody remember Mariano Duncan on the 96 Yankees? Come on, you don't need an all-star at every position. And I went back and looked, and Mariano Duncan was uh he hit 340 with a 112 OPS plus. So, I mean, that's insane. And then the next season in 1997, he hit 244 with a 51 OPS plus. So, uh, hand up. I was going to make a point about Mariano Duncan that couldn't be less true. If Isaiah Kiner-Falev was hitting 340, I don't think any of you would be complaining about him. But that said, they have internal upgrades. Those guys are ready enough to be tried. If you want to try Oswald Peraza in the second half, if Isaiah Kiner-Falev gets hurt, Marwin Gonzalez has been above average too. If they're if they're acquiring someone at the deadline, what it's going to be a Marwin Gonzalez type, right? Yeah. So why not focus on your pitching? Why not focus on your outfielders? Just start Marwin more if you have to, but you also don't have to. Why am I yeah. still talking about this? I don't know. Aaron Judge. Oh. Aaron Judge. Uh, so is Aaron Judge going to be a Yankee next year? Um, well, he's not willing. He hasn't been willing to talk to the team during the season. Uh, until his average went down 20 points. Now all of a sudden he's kind of like, hey, if you guys want to talk, I mean, yeah, if anyone wants to talk, my, my door is always open. Welcome in. Welcome aboard. Um, Aaron Judge, uh, they ran like a package during Sunday night's game where he said, if they want to reignite the talks in the middle of the season, maybe we'll go for it. Uh, we've never heard that change of tone before. After Brian Cashman leaked the offer before opening day in one of the craziest recent spectacles, um, I don't know what uh, changed among the Yankees front office members, but how Steinbrenner said this week, I'm never talking about that again. You won't hear from us during the particulars of these negotiations. Great. Now all of a sudden we're hearing from judge. Uh, the slump obviously has nothing to do with it, but are, are we more likely now to get a judge extension in the middle of the season or towards the end of the season? I, I can't believe that they would do something like this, maybe right before October or in September down the stretch. Like if they're talking about in season, it would have to be, now it would have to be like the Thursday after the all-star break because otherwise you're getting into I mean you might as well do it in the offseason if you're going to do it in on September 24th but this is the most hopeful judge has sounded about potentially reigniting discussions before the buzzer where do you stand at this moment I have a funny theory and Yankee Twitter is going to hate me for it but judge the first time judge is relenting on this opening day deadline Said after this happened, I will be talking to all 30 teams in free agency. Now Judge is slumping pretty hard. 
you, the number the numbers are there. His average over the past month, his average has dropped from 318 to 283. OPS is kind of sputtered, 1.077 to 971. Um, his OPS plus figure was right. It was 199. It was 198, 200 for like the all, most of that time. Now it's 175. These are still MVP numbers, but is there any chance that he was like, you know what? Maybe we'll get maybe we'll get this done, so I don't have to worry about a headache. Maybe I could. I've already earned more than the two hundred and thirteen and a half million that was that was uh, that was offered to me. Maybe I just cash out for the extra fifty million that I probably earned and not take this any further. Funny to think about because we haven't really heard anything from Judge on that front. A couple weeks ago, he was asked um, about talks going in midseason, and he said no. I'm, I'm worried. I, I think I think it's probably waiting for after the season. And now this happens on Sunday Night Baseball, coinciding with Buster Trollney, uh, our guy, tweeting out how Aaron Judge has the worst batting average of anybody, any visiting player at Fenway Park since 1950, batting 180 at Fenway. Um, so not a great look for Judge. Still an MVP player. Still sells the tickets. Still sells the merch, still gets the fans viewing in the seats, whether it, you know, in the seats at home, he's a walking advertisement, great guy, worth more than the money that the Yankees offered him. But I am wondering if there is a, if, the, if that is playing a role because he's something a little bit and he wants to cash out and, you know, he, he play he was at the blackjack table. He's fucking hot. Now he's cooling off. Now he's, now he's got to walk away. I don't know. I don't think so, but it's funny to think about. And two, Yankees finally facing a little bit of adversity these last couple weeks. Um, Nothing too crazy. Um, It's a luxurious uh, adversity because it's not really anything difficult. But do you really want this to be a distraction down the stretch when you're the best team in baseball and you're trying to you're trying to, you know, just get this World Series uh, monkey off your back? Um, after all that they've been through over these, you know, since 2009, quite frankly, it's been a pretty, pretty bad run since then. So I don't know where they would stand. Uh, Hal Steinbrenner went on the radio last week and was talking about how he dropped the word record contract about potentially keeping judge. We don't really know what that entails. He didn't go into great detail. Um, he talked about how he didn't want to elaborate upon it and actually agreed with Aaron judges timeline or, uh, 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 restriction to not go past opening day because he didn't want the talks to be public. He didn't want this making more any more headlines than it had to. Um, so you got to wonder. I think there is a desire behind closed doors. Um, the Yankees want Aaron Judge. They know he's kind of the engine that makes this entire operation go at this current moment. Um, and Judge has voiced on many occasions that he wants to be a Yankee for life. So I don't know where it stands. You think if they offer either a 40 AAV AAV million dollar deal shorter term that he takes it, or if they just like maybe go up to 260 and that's the end of it. I don't know what the length there would be. Um, maybe the set, maybe they go up to eight years and 260. Um, I'm bad at math, so I don't know that off the top of my head, but maybe that just ends this and everybody can walk away happy and, and, and we're just cooking for a nice postseason run and not really having to worry about anything else. But it is interesting that a, there's been a little bit of a bending on judges side publicly, which there hasn't been previously. And two, that this was broadcasted on ESPN during Sunday night baseball against the Boston Red Sox. So something is up there. 
and it makes you wonder. That's all I'm saying. And Judge did it himself. It wasn't just broadcast. Like, I'm hearing rumblings. Buster Trollney himself going, you know what, guys? League Circle is <laughs> actually telling me. Aaron Judge saying, you know, I'm open to it. He was never open to it before. It's it's worth examining. And he's got that lower body soreness now, which is fine. I mean, whatever. Again, 61 and 25. Whatever you have to do, you do it now. Do it. But he is, he is having his first rough patch of the season. The Yankees are blessed that their first adversity of the season is splitting series with Houston and Boston Yeah. after running through Toronto and Tampa, right? That is adversity in the lowercase for sure. But they are running into their first problem after a nearly record-setting first half. And yeah, it's probably best to get this out of the way now if they can do it. If both sides agree, they can do it. Before we go, just want to send congratulations to the surprise New York Yankees All-Stars. We've got six on the team, uh, ending on a high note. Uh, I I personally did not expect six. I thought we were going to get stuck with four. I thought we were going to get, uh, you know, Judge, obviously. Stanton, if he wasn't a starter, would not have made the team. So congrats to all of you for voting for Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, Somebody very helpfully brought up that it was between Stanton and George Springer. And on the last day of voting, Canada's internet was out. So maybe that's why Stanton won. But either way, he's never been to an all-star as a Yankee before, which is insane. Uh, 2018, 2018, great year. 2018, great year. 2021, great year. Did not make the all-star team either of those years. This will be his first time. Sick. Rumblings, he wants to do the home run derby. Hope he does it. Last time he did do the home run derby, contrary to the screwing up your swing narrative, he went off for like 30-something second-half homers in 2017 and won the MVP. So, yeah. fine. You want to hit 50 homers for us this year, I'm down. Uh, and Dodger Stadium, it's like his home ballpark-ish. I'm, I'm super into that, especially because Judge will never do it again. Clay Holmes, we knew was going to make it, and he did. The video the Yankees put out of Clay Holmes being told he's a first-time All-Star is one of the most boring <laughs> one minute on the internet. Does not get more boring than that. They're like, so, Clay, the thing is, you're actually going to Hollywood, man. Congratulations, brother. And he's like, Thanks. <laughs> no, I, no, I appreciate it. No, I appreciate it. Aaron Boone's like best re- reliever in baseball, man. And you got that honor. And he's like, yeah. I mean, again, that, you know, I'd rather have that kind of closer than Brian Wilson, but uh, not worth a watch. Do not watch it. Really underwritten yeah. video, but knew he was going to make the team. Garrett Cole, again, could go either way. Clearly having an all-star type season, also an all-star type hype. You yeah. get Garrett Cole to an event, you're going to get Garrett Cole to an event. And so he's going. He and Chapman went last year. It was way more embarrassing. Cole this year has oh, been better right. than last year. And he doesn't have the spider tag narrative. He's clearly a very good starting pitcher, which is a couple of warts and, and dings in the armor. But still very good going to the All-Star game. And then the surprise is Jose Trevino, who last year, I mean, you could not, po- you could not possibly have predicted this in April. The Yankees' backup catcher is going to the All-Star game. I was going back both ways on this. He was a finalist, but Jonah Heim is having a better season and is hotter. But do you really want two Texas Rangers on the all-star team? Don't you want to reward a Yankee? And even in the limited at-bats, Trevino is still either the second or third best catcher in the American League this season. So if you're looking for the fun narrative, you send him. They sent him. I did not think they would because the all-star game doesn't usually think the way I do as a diehard fan of the New York Yankees. But they sent him. Unbelievable one-year turnaround for him from Texas going to the dream team of his father and his family to being an all-star with the New York Yankees as they race towards the best record in baseball. Crazy. And then Nestor Cortez, who, like we said, has regressed from a 170 RA to a 270 RA. 
You could have easily kept him off this thing. Dylan Cease, not on the roster yet, will eventually make the roster. He'll replace somebody. So will Ty France. Get your snub cries out while you still can. We would be doing it too if we had the chance. Michael King might end up replacing somebody. Garrett Cole's not pitching. So because he's yeah. pitching Sunday. So mm-hmm. maybe Michael King replaces Garrett Cole. I, I don't know. But Garrett Cole's not pitching the All-Star game. Nestor, I think, is going to pitch on Thursday after the All-Star game. So he's probably not pitching either. Mostly ceremonial. But Nestor Cortez and Aaron Boone had a conversation this spring, reportedly, where Nestor was wondering if he was going to make the team. Boone said, you're not only making the team, you're going to make the All-Star team in LA this summer. Get ready. A crazy thing for him to say, considering Nestor again put up like 83 above average innings last year. And yet, he was right. Uh, good argument in favor of the Yankees rigging things, if you want to make that argument. But bad argument in favor of that is that there's, uh, you know, the flags in the World Series logo. So, obviously, we can't rig everything. Uh, but Nestor and Jose Trevino go to the All-Star game. Beyond, 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 congrats. And, like, it's what I would have done. It's what you would have done if we're making the All-Star rosters. But I did not think the Major League Baseball at large, uh, including a lot of people who hate the Yankees, would have bent over backwards for the Yankees like this. And yet they did six all-stars could still get Rizzo could still get King could still get Glaber in there. Uh, so, you know, could get up to nine by the end of it. The last time the Yankees had that many all-stars was uh year redacted 2004. I think they had like eight guys that year, including Javier Vasquez, but we won't talk about it. Congrats to those Yankees. Uh, Thomas Carinata, any additional congratulations to add to the boys? No, I'm happy for them, man. Uh, everyone I think deserves it. Um, even despite criticism, thrown toward you know especially Garrett Cole on this episode uh doing your job fairly well um deserves to be recognized um I think narrative should play more of a role um in all-star votes um in MVP votes in Cy Young votes um I think Trevino and Cortez were kind of the poster boys for that given given the fact where they've come from over the past two years um I know Dylan Cease was a major omission um and you know MLB's rule of including one person from every team kind of hosed uh, some other guys from this. Um, but I, like I said, big narrative guy. Um, the You can't ignore accomplishments and ascensions like that. Um, uh, Clay Holmes, too, unbelievable. Um, he deserved it, so he wasn't really a borderline, but same type deal. Um, you see these guys struggling, come out of nowhere, finally get put in a situation where they're uh, either the setting benefits them or just the players around them help them out um and they run with it and they're enjoying themselves uh i mean i think clay holmes enjoying himself uh maybe in his own uh reserved internal way uh but Nestor and trevino it's absolutely uh, amazing to see uh well deserved from those guys congrats hope it continues in the second half for everybody um can't really complain with this first half i know this is the first time we're truly upset after that split but once again Red Sox spent the weekend going nowhere, four days of their lives lives into the can with nothing gained. And that's the that's the that's the that if that's the worst thing coming out of the weekend, then you know what? Sign me up for more of it. That was the worst thing coming out of the weekend. Until further notice. That's all that happened. Two really sucky losses followed two, you know, wins on the scoreboard. Just got it. You're canceling out days at this point before the deadline. Going to have another chance to cancel some more days next weekend. The Red Sox come to New York. I can't believe it. But only five games left at Fenway this year. Three games set and a two game set. Four gamers over. RIP. Buried. Let's never talk about this again. Until Garrett Cole goes back to Fenway. Then I guess we have to talk about it again. 
That is it for this lengthy edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, drop us a five-star review. Drop us a mailbag question in that review. Just type it out in your review. Don't even review us beyond the stars, and we'll be more than happy to answer it. Until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. You can find both of us live on YouTube and Twitter, 2 o'clock Eastern, Mondays and Thursdays. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? Folks, I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. Uh, we are also on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Uh, you can find both of our bylines at YanksGoYard.com. Plenty of content there for you. Once again, trade deadline three weeks away. A lot of stuff happening between now and the All-Star break and then the All-Star break and the trade deadline. This is content heaven for the folks who like to read about baseball. We hope to see more of you and hear from more of you. Um, And until then, we'll talk to you again on Thursday, everyone. Enjoy the middle of your week and have a great time. Enjoy the middle of your week. We'll see you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.